white, 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 bright, spotless white, the walls white, the immense sectional sofa white, the bowl in which recently cut strawberries dusted with sugar glisten ripe and fresh white, white as cleanliness, white as eternal, white as classical, white as power incarnate, long live white. In this house of white sit Mr. and Mrs. Edward Smart III, he, a software manager for a marketing firm, she, a marketing director for a software company. At opposite ends of the sofa, they are laptops on laps, reading glasses dangling from the cliffs of noses. It is almost 8 p.m. The kids have had their Chipotle dinners. Where they are, Mr. and Mrs. Smart can only surmise. In their bedrooms, most likely. On their own computers, surfing who knows what or with whom. Or... They could be down in the 1,500-square-foot rec room in the basement playing this, playing that, safely entertained. They are somewhere within the walls of this white house, safe. To be safe is to be alive, the only worthwhile, controllable state of being, the mantra of white. The TV screen is on, the gargantuan screen comprising the entire north wall. The channel, as always at this time of night, is one of three networks. The smarts consider the three networks news, the only real news still throbbing in a sea of fake news. They will watch no other shows, listen to no other points of view, consider no arguments that oppose what they gather from these three networks. Hatred pours from the screen like warm soup into their half-conscious, half-listening, never-questioning ears. Hatred is their new sustenance. Hatred is the new path of enlightenment and salvation. The hatred is made palatable by happy music and blind faith to this newly elected king. It's about time. Huh? I said, it's about time. Already? What? Is that time already? <laughs> Not that. I meant what Joe Blow just said. What did Joe Blow just say? Joe Blow was talking to Sandy Shoals, and he said, Tripe said, he was going to kick all transgender people from public schools. It's about time. That's what I just said. Good. Good for him. He got them out of the military. Now he's moving to the schools. They're a real threat to all the good people in this country. Good for him. Good. Good for him. Then Sandy Shoals told Joe Blow she heard that Adolf Tripe said he was exploring the possibilities of excluding gays from the military next. He says the brave heroes of our military shouldn't have to worry about being accosted in the showers. It's un-American, unchristian, and not fair. He's right. He's weeding out the undesirables so families like ours can be safe and secure. He's always right. Adolf Tripe is always right. And Joe Blow told Sandy Shoals, I think yesterday, that he heard Tripe was looking into repealing the Civil Rights Act. He says hardworking Americans of all races should have equal opportunity, but giving preference to minorities amounts to nothing but institutionalized racism and bigotry. He says it's bad for whites and bad for blacks. He wants to free everyone from the chains of the libtard quota system. He's right. Tripe is spot on, as always. And the blacks in this country are too stupid to realize he's doing it for their own good. Tripe has more sympathy than I do for them. I know that might not sound Christian-like, but, well, that's the truth. Kudos to Tripe. Make America right again. Amen. Make America right again. Amen. We all just need to get along in this country. 
That's what he's trying to do. Pull everyone together the way it used to be. Like in the good old days. Like the 50s. Or the 1800s. It was a simpler time. People worked hard for a living. Nobody expected handouts. People had morals back then. It was a God-fearing time. It's about time we put God morals back into our lives. Amen. Make America right again. He's going to build the wall to keep the Mexicans out. He stopped the flow of Syrian refugees from flooding in. He's cleaning the military and schools of transgenders and gays. And soon, he's going to free us from the yoke of racial quotas. What more could a president do in his first six months? He's doing more than any president ever did in his first six months in office, ever. I can't wait to see what he'll do next. We're living in such an exciting time. Hmm? Yes, honey. Amen. And make America white again. Don't you mean right again? Oh, yeah. That's what I meant. Make America right again. There's a man who comes this way, walking up High Street, from one end of the city to the other. He passes not every day, perhaps once or twice a week. He travels only from south to north. Whether he gets a ride back down to the south end, or walks it taking another route, is anybody's guess. No one ever approaches the man. We see him, but he is not someone you want to watch for very long. He is a reminder, a mirror, a voice. I haven't told you what makes him different outwardly from us. It's the cross he bears. He has it on a small wheel. Other than the wheel, there is nothing about the cross that is different from any other cross borne by any other persecuted soul. The weight upon the man's shoulder is real. The man is black. He could only be black. Only a black man would carry a cross from the neglected south to the affluent north of this affluent town, week after week, through rain, snow, sweltering heat, and the apathy of hundreds of thousands. He is black, ancient. His flesh, many years ago, turned to cracked tar and sinew. His brittle bones hold secrets in their sandy marrow. He carries the cross up High Street for reasons only he knows. Today, however, is different. There's a stadium rally downtown on High Street itself. The old crossbearer, his head bent toward his own long shadow, alters his course very little. The energetic crowd parts instinctively as if a street vendor were hawking cotton candy. They are all citizens of Columbus. They have all seen the man before. He is a moving obstacle, like a bump in the road that slowly makes its way past. His dedication, his eccentricity, is precious to their gentrified spheres of consciousness. He is non-threatening, and therefore welcome among them. Yet they are all too happy to see him move on up the road. The rally is large, the largest one yet. After a series of speakers, Theo Thrift takes the makeshift stage. He stands with his feet wide, hands on hips, wallowing in the adulation from the ravenous throng. Yes! Yes! All right, all right. I hope the so-called media is here, because I don't think there's ever been a gathering as large or as vocal as there is here today. I want you to know the mayor, city council, various support groups throughout the city, the league office in New York, and, of course, myself. We have all been working day and night with very little sleep, I promise you trying to remove the obstacle that stands in the way of about 20 bulldozers across the river from starting their engines and breaking ground. 
It's going to put Columbus on the map, I tell you. I know, I know, Columbus is already on the map. But think of it, we've been denied a professional football team for years. Meanwhile, Cincinnati, Cleveland, dying cities, decaying cities really, both have teams. They both have professional baseball teams too. And Cleveland, they even have a professional basketball team. Here we are, the most prosperous city in the state, the only major metropolitan area, and one of the few in the entire Midwest that's actually growing, not shrinking. And yet, we get nothing? No respect. As our great president comrade says, that's not fair. So, finally, the League, in their infinite wisdom, sees their mistake and has granted us a new franchise. What's going to be the greatest franchise the League has ever known? Forget New England. Forget Dallas. Forget Pittsburgh. Columbus is going to set the new standard for success and, yes, championships for the 21st century. I have some very good news. Oh yes, some very good news indeed. Are you ready? Just yesterday, our brave police force apprehended none other than that scoundrel Jerry rigged himself and hauled him down to headquarters. We've got him, folks. He sits behind bars this very minute where he'll no longer be a threat to your wives, your children, your way of life. They've charged him with some very serious offenses, very serious indeed, for which he may spend a long time in jail. But we're a forgiving city, aren't we? I know the mayor is, I know the police chief is, and certainly all of you. Turn the other cheek, as the old saying goes. And I will, we will, if Mr. Rigg acknowledges the immense and wanton harm he has inflicted upon Columbus. All he needs to do is do what's right. All we're asking of him is to abide by his poor, poor, ailing uncle's wishes. God bless him. Old man Selby, as we all know him, lies in a hospital bed right this very minute, fighting for his life, completely unaware of the traitorous, backstabbing schemes his nephew, Jerry Rigged, has perpetrated against his beloved city. Well, we've got the little rascal now, ladies and gentlemen. I believe the long, painful wait will soon be over. Groundbreaking for your new stadium is only days from commencing. There will be professional football in Columbus, Ohio, the greatest city on earth. The crossbearer trudging slowly over the cap and into the heart of the short north, the street nearly desolate as if some apocalypse were imminent, grins to himself, as if he had heard Theo Thrift's rousing speech. His flat feet, numbed from the eternal journey, flap one then the other, ceaselessly, without thought, moving out of habitual need, the need to seek, the need to flee, the need for movement of any kind to validate his pain and suffering. A man approaches from the side. This man is white. No white man has ever approached the crossbearer, and none has spoken to him, other than in ridicule or spite. Hey, are you alright? Can I help you? You're gonna kill yourself, man. Where is everybody? Why are you carrying that thing all by yourself? Here, let me take it for a while. Jesus, this thing is... It's real. I thought it was made out of paper mache or cardboard. My name's Vince. I'm from Akron. Just got here a while ago. 
I'm a welder up there when I can find work. Not much going on these days for welders. I heard there was going to be a rally, a sort of demonstration against what's been going on, but that doesn't seem to be the demonstration I was looking for. They said there was going to be, I don't know your political beliefs, I don't mean to offend you if you're a tripe backer, but this rally, it was supposed to be a march against tripe and all the things he's doing. In my opinion, we're in a lot of trouble. The country, I mean. I voted for the man. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I was afraid, I guess, and I was just afraid. We've all been afraid since, as long as I can remember. Why am I telling you this? It's true though, the fear. It's got so big, I wanted somebody to take away the fear. I'd go to bed at night. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I'd, I'd be there shivering, thinking about all the stuff I read or watched on the news. You know what news I'm talking about. I ate that shit up like it really was the truth. They got me so fired up, I thought the whole country was going to fall apart. I got so I hated Obama, Hillary, all of them. Like they were the Antichrist, that whole party. Then one day, I couldn't do it anymore. When he said the press was the enemy of the people, that did it for me. When the President of the United States said the press was the enemy of the people, it's like something snapped. Like I woke up, and when I looked around, I saw the biggest con man this country has ever known. I couldn't go on the way I did before. I had to do something. I came down here for the rally, see? feel like I have to do something, you know? Fight the real devil before it's too late. I've heard about the stadium thing, that Jerry Rigg guy. I had no idea it was... Look at all those people. What do you know about him? I heard he's in jail. Are they gonna keep him? I wouldn't mind meeting him. Jerry Rigged? Nah, I ain't never met him before. You say you want to meet him? What for? Just what would you say to him? I don't know. But I, I feel like he's somebody important to know. All those people back there. All those people want to see the man fry. You could do better picking friends. I don't have too many friends anymore. Not with the way I left Akron. You came at the right time. If you're looking for big things. What big things? What do you mean? You come at just the right time. My time is coming to an end. Are you all right, old timer? Couldn't be better, man. I'm coasting towards home. What do you mean? Your time is coming to an end. Brother, I've been dragging this cross for as long as... Hell. As long as I can remember. But things just might be changing.
You think I wanted to carry this damn thing this whole time? Do you? Hell, brother, then you don't know nothing. <laughs> He's here. He's here. Who? Rigged? Like a big old fist from Cassius Clay himself. This town's gonna get socked. Pow. Right between the eyes. Won't know what hit it. But I know. I know who he really is. Things are about to get... Biblical. Biblical? And this time... <laughs> he's one of us. He's one of us, sucker. What, what exactly do you mean? A dude like nobody's seen before. A man for mankind. You asked if I ever met him. I followed him. Last year, in wintertime. He and his honey, Bardot. Like two peas in a pod, I'm telling you. Oh man, you ain't never seen two kids like those two. I mean, the light spilling out of the bright, happy faces. Could have lit up this whole town. Oh yeah. They went into the old bar, and I sure as hell did follow them. Why? You ever felt holiness before? You mean real holiness? Real holiness. Not the book kind. Not the dead kind. The real kind, man. No, I haven't. So, they went in, sat down in one of those booths in the corner. Ah, uh, you don't know the bar. It don't matter. They sat in the back, and I sat in the booth behind him. My back to the man himself and his lady. They sat side by side. Those two talked. And did the little hoochie-coochie giggle shake. And the sloppy kisses, the sharing of the bounty. I knew right then, brother. Or at least I thought I knew. Who this jerry-rigged guy was. The closest thing I ever come to feeling what I felt against that booth was when I saw the birth of my daughter. And as God is my witness, even that was nothing like the power and the truth coming at me in that bar. But I didn't know for sure. Not until... Nah, you ain't gonna dig this, man. You don't know. You don't know. But when he said no to $20 million, when I heard they took him to jail for saying no, I knew. That was it. No question about it. I've been waiting. We've been waiting. All my people. Your people too, brother. We're different skins, but we're the same starving souls. He's flesh and blood. No God. But maybe more. Yeah, maybe more. But how's he going to do anything for anybody? Sitting in jail? Do what? Hold up construction of a football stadium? What will that do? With all this tripe shit going on? That's the real crisis. We're falling apart. Our country, our world. Tripe is going to send us off a cliff. What can Jerry Rigg do? What can he do? 
After the fall, a man succumbs to the despair of his hopelessness, or rises twice as big as before. Some, the holy few, become something totally new, brother. And that's when the devil better take his skanky ass and run for the hills. Vince and the old man did find the anti-tripe rally, a small gathering of middle-aged women, a few college students, and two college professors on summer break. Opposing the dissenters was a mob of tripe supporters, nearly all of them white, male, and frothing at the mouth like a pack of ill-treated pit bulls. Vince wanted to talk to them. He wanted to tell them of his own recent conversion and show them the error of their obedience and loyalty. He felt a profound need to do this, as if it were a small part of some bigger penance, but he could do nothing. By now his feet were blistered, his back nearly crumpled, he had no energy to speak. He collapsed along the curb. Demonstrators from both sides rushed to his aid, picked him up, and carried him to a shaded patch of grass. The old man took his position beneath the cross, and with an eternal groan, lifted it once more on his back. He began walking, unnoticed, as if he weren't there. <laughs> 